folks, and welcome to another episode of the Leadership Tales podcast. Joined today by two characters. That's all I can describe them as characters in the most positive sense of the word. Doug Shapiro, Deborah Tronelli, and Doug and Deborah have been involved with working as as actors in the U.S. for a number of years now. And uh, the reason we've got them on today, firstly, is to talk about the role of actors in our emotion work, where we get the clients to experience the power of a scenario where they get to meet the actors who are in character and they get a chance to, with a remote control, to play around with that conversation, different styles, different approaches. And Doug and Deborah are just brilliant in terms of bringing that to life and working in there. So there's the power of that. But also there's the power of these two as individuals and and what they do is they give. And Doug Shapiro is probably the, the person in my life who's given me the most in terms of he's always giving to other people. Um, inviting other actors in to work with us as Potential Squared. He's always recommending people to talk to, but he's, he's just in the moment when he is in a space with you, it's all about you. Uh, and that, that real power that he has to, to make you feel special is important. Uh, and Deborah. Deborah is just one of these people who has taken her art to a high level. Um, she's been involved in TV, theater, um, and all the way through, she does it with a grace and an intellect that is is very, very strong. And therefore, I couldn't be happier to, to get them to share their story. Um, and as they pass on the baton to some of the other people coming into um, our organization to work as actors, I'm always reminded by the first time I met uh, Doug uh, and Deborah um, for a, a number of reasons. And, and one of these was that we went, eventually we went to do some rehearsals and assessment centers for actors in a rehearsal studio. And that rehearsal studio, we were in this room and we were putting the actors through their paces so we could test whether they were able to remove what we would call the lovey out of them and, and be able to be real and be credible as, as individuals in organizations to play their role. But every time you opened that door, down the corridor, something else was going on. Somebody was practicing musical instruments in the corridor or there was a rehearsal. And um, I remember as I opened one the door one time, off to see the wizard was being sung with great gusto next door. And, you know, there's the singing away. And I, I just, I got a sense of what it is like to immerse yourself in the acting world, the toughness of that that role um, and therefore to, to get these amazing characters to come work with us to share their expertise to create the emotions that have created the stories where people have said the most empower, powerful thing they had of the development for us was was the use of the actors and how they they developed their conversational skills or their feedback skills in that moment so hope you enjoy it Doug and Deborah looking forward to getting your feedback Delighted, and if you could see what I can see at the moment, you'd be delighted to welcome these two characters as well. I've got on the other side. So, Doug and Deborah, I love you. Thank you. <laughs> I love you too. I love, I, we're all in love with each other. It's great. I love it. I love it. I'm delighted to have two good friends, but also two people who are have been part of the journey of Potential Squared, working with us as as actors bringing to life a lot of the, the immersion for our, our um, participants as we've gone through it. But 
I don't know what I'm going to get when I get these two people onto anything, whether it's work or, or onto a podcast. So we are taking a journey into the unknown today. The only thing I know is that Doug normally has Chico, a parrot, on his shoulder. Today he doesn't. So we don't have Chico for those who are listening. Deborah is currently so sitting on, on my shoulder. shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> There's a Deb on my shoulder. And it could be a musical as well today, folks. So let's just see where we go. Never know. You never know. Doug and Deborah, I'd love you to introduce yourselves to our audience, to our listeners, about you and a bit of the background, and then we can go into more serious, no joking aside, we can go into the, the deeper conversation. Why don't you kick us off? Doug. Sure. You? I'll give you some bullet points, and then whatever fascinates you, you can talk about more <laughs> later. <laughs> um, I'm a, uh, a music theater voiceover guy, and also... Um, Thanks to Colin, and now it's grown. I'm a uh, business role player and standardized patient. So I work with um, five different business role play companies and five different medical institutions, just sort of helping people to be able to use in person uh, what they have learned from their trainer and get to try it out as a playground. And I also am a, uh, a proud husband and a parrot and cat father. <laughs> A parrot and cat father. And tell me, where do you live, Doug? Where's, give the, the, the listeners uh, an idea of where you, your abode is. Yeah. Oh, sure. I live, in, uh, I live in New York City in the Kipps Bay neighborhood of Manhattan. And I was born and raised in Long Island, which if I'm tired, you'll be able to hear a little bit more of my voice. Nice. Cool. And we're going to get into a couple of the other bits that you do in there, because I, I, I was fascinated to, to go and hear you. Colin, get right in there. Yeah, let's let's go off there. No, we'll let Deborah, because Deborah could not get a word in edgeways if we go there for a while. So Deborah, introduce yourself to the folks listening. <laughs> I am indeed Deborah Trinelli. Uh, I have Deborah a, Trinelli. The I am indeed. Um, I really have been uh, amazingly blessed with a long, long, long career as a singer, an actor, a voiceover talent, an audiobook reader. I have uh, done master classes uh, with actors, young actors. Uh, I just enjoy both sides of things. I, I even mentor, I think, when I'm doing shows. I've reached the age now where uh, young people sit around me and say, tell me about the early <laughs> days of theater uh, with Sarah Bernhardt. Um, but um, <laughs> I, I, I have had a career that's been all over the place, starting in theater and then ended up a long time on a television series you might be familiar with in the UK, Dallas. Uh -huh. uh, and uh, came back to New York uh, in the mid 90s and really focused on my theater career here, but I'm also a, a concert artist singer i have a, a cd uh that's just been re-released uh so you mean a lot of living now currently available on itunes yes yeah. and you're only 25 as well Deborah. And i mean I'm come on just like yeah i'm oh well i'm 35 now okay 35 so, okay sorry all, I, got that wrong. I copped to 35 um i've had a very full life uh and, mm. and number one in my life is my family and especially my new great nephew jackson mm. Ramey, who's almost a year old. So um, that's kind of the light in the life of the COVID, the year of COVID. So, um, and, and Doug is, as we can talk about later, is responsible for my becoming involved uh, in the business role play world, which I have been doing now for almost seven years and love every minute of. Is it seven years? Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Almost going on six and a half, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because Doug introduces everybody to everybody. I mean, that, that is your role, Doug. You're a networker extraordinaire. Tell me a bit about going back into that because I'd, I'd love to dig in, Deborah, to the singing and the mentoring piece because that's going to be a, a big part of what you do. But also you do that, Doug, as well, because you've been a, a coach to actors, 
you you've got a net strong network and you're responsible for many careers is my understanding yeah i kind of love that that's uh sort of like the the mark i want to make in the world i mean i've been very fortunate that whenever i recommend deborah trinelli for a job she always gets hired again and again mm. so actually the the voiceover gig that i'm running to after this they now use deborah trinelli regularly um working with you working with uh we you know we met doing a new musical so she's always my first recommendation when they need someone who's 35 we'll say <laughs> <laughs> and you look amazing at 35 is great yeah well, you. i think the air quotes we used for 35 just like made your hair tousle over the over the seas you know what <laughs> I feel I feel 35. Yeah. No matter how many years are on top of that. She does. Feel she feels 35 right now. And Doug is, for those listening, Doug is now feeling Deborah, and she does feel 35. Okay, that's good. Just my shoulder. Just my shoulder. <laughs> Just his shoulder, yeah. It's a clean show, folks. Let's keep it clean. So. In the mentorship piece, there's a, um, when I was an intern at the Shakespearean Theater of Maine, mm. there was a man named Jerry Kissel, who is the man, father, uh, mentor, actor, I'm always striving to be. And he was the one that would take all the interns and, you know, busy, busy man doing, you know, playing leads in Shakespeare, but he would take all the interns aside and say, okay, do you know how to do facial hair pieces? Duh, no, we don't. We're interns. And, <laughs> and he was like, great. And he would get the crepe hair and the iron and show us how to blend all the hair pieces. I'm making amazing motions with my hands right now that are fascinating. Uh, yeah, he's got no hair pieces in his hands at the moment, folks, just so you know. <laughs> it shows how to combine them, iron them, use the spirit glue, spirit gum and everything and make the pieces. Um, do you know how to do old age makeup? No, we don't. We're interns. He would grab the oldest member of the company, sit them down, shine a flashlight over their head and show us how to do the shading and everything like that. Also went through a tough time while he was there, mm -hmm. um, which I won't go into more because that's his business. But the way he handled himself, left it outside the rehearsal room mm -hmm. and came in and just channeled it into what he was doing on the stage and was a masterclass. So it's that type of example, that sort of mentorship that no matter what company I'm in now, mm. I make like, you know, if my expertise is the business side of theater, I always, always, always for the crew and whatever cast wants to do a seminar on the business of acting, the business of theater mm. to give back in that way. If you're good at something else, you teach voice, you know, wh whatever that is. Yeah. But that's huh. crucial to me. And that pay it forward principle is massive for you in terms of either whether it's reading people's books and you know, yeah. delighted that you read my book. But the mentorship is is a key part and it's paying it forward. And, and particularly over the last 18 months with COVID, the acting community has been massively hit uh, mm -hmm. through that. So it, it's useful just to say what also you've been doing over those, that year in terms of what you're doing to support and come both of you in terms of getting that through that. Yeah, sure. Um, the, uh, well, as far as for the actors fund, mm -hmm. um, COVID hit and suddenly my whole career had to be done from my basement. And so the actors fund turned around a grant so quickly for me so that I could buy the ring light and the microphone and everything that went with it. Um, we'll talk about technology later, put a pin in that. But mm -hmm. so what I've done in return is reading the work of my author friends like Colin um, with Chico, my parrot on my shoulder over Facebook live to raise money for the actors fund. Mm. So it, it holds up my friends who are writing books. 
Um, it raises money for the Actors Fund and also the little bit of like, by the way, I'm an audiobook narrator, people. <laughs> <laughs> so you're touting for business as well, but you know, it's allowed, you know. A little bit, but without saying, hi, I'm an audiobook narrator. Please hire me. And by the way, no, it's about the Actors Fund. It's about holding up my author friends. If I get work out of it, I won't be angry. No, it's brilliant. brilliant. Yeah. And Deborah, how's this 18 months been for you? I mean, 18 months, I keep adding to it. It seems to be going on and on. And on. I know, it, it does. Um, it's kind of timeless almost. It's just, mm. uh, well, it, for me, other things were happening in my life that uh, sort of took precedence. I was able to do multiple, you know, play readings, musical readings, mm. and uh, I participated in a benefit to performances, I want to say, or, or mm. appearances. Uh, and a benefit of of people who were either first responders or healthcare workers who were also singers and dancers and put together um, for the Actors Fund as well. Uh, so that was kind of fun to participate as a voiceover artist. And for the holiday one, I actually uh, did a, a reading of The Night Before Christmas. Oh, my favorite, my favorite. Really, really wonderful to yeah. share and be able to, with this community, support my own community, which was mm. very touching. Many things happening, uh, having an elderly parent Mm -hmm. uh, who was very isolated, my focus of my life really became making sure that that my mother was, you know, visited and taken care of uh, because she is lives independently and she lives alone. Uh, and so I was I was taking care of her a lot. So that was a big focus of mine. And the rest of the world kind of came around it. Um, yeah. I was able to continue to do some voiceover work um, mm -hmm. and actually doing long distance doing voice work on a film in Los Angeles, you know, wow. I have a small closet in my master bedroom. I, so I have a microphone set up there and I literally sat in there with my computer on my lap, my laptop on my lap with my recording device, my zoom recording device and was able to be creative. It was important to maintain creativity. Yeah. I have a couple of friends who are um, considering uh, doing some Ted talks. Mm. Uh, so I was working with one of them and mentoring them on, on that. And, and topic, nice. he was actually, a, um, um, he no longer is, but he was a, an emergency room nurse here in Bellevue mm. hospital in the, in the heat of the first outbreak, mm. uh, is now living, uh, down full-time in Florida, still involved with healthcare, but kind of going through that and the effect that had on his life and helping him guide through that and how he wants to speak about that. Mm. Uh, he was sort of the driving force behind this benefit that I was involved with that that's kind of, sort of the musical we did together right the yes Guardian? absolutely Guardian. yep so um you know it, it was kind of a year where I felt turned upside down in a way as we mm -hmm. all did and having to learn new technology and having to sort of revamp a, a career uh to do as much virtually as possible and balance that with with, the, with being a caregiver yeah. long distance caregiver it's it's actually man. I mean, Tandy Newton was. I was reading a, a, an article about her, and she was saying, as an actress, she got to the point where, in her younger life, where she was dealing with her identity, she found acting was an escape for her. It was the place where she felt most comfortable on the outside. And actually, for you, I'm sure this is the case. And for me, it's been massive over the last eighteen months. Is it gives you an insight to humanity? It gives you an insight to what other people are coping with, empathy. And, and acting must, you must be able to pull on that resource as well, because to go into your roles and do what we do, or even just the patient side, particularly, to go, there's that bit about empathizing with your character and the circumstances that are in and working there. So in theory, it could be, in a very sad circumstance, a rich source of creative art coming out of this in terms of helping people to deal with it. Yeah. 
I, and I think that during a time like this, you really do, without trying to sound cliche or trite, find out, you know, what you're made of. Yeah. Your metal. I mean, how, how strong are you? I mean, you think about it throughout our history of humanity, mm. there have been people overcoming. You know, I'm a, I'm a, a daughter of, of depression, you mm. know, just survivors. Um, what you really find out, not only what you're made of, but what your true priorities are. Yeah. What gets you up every day? Yeah. What either drives you, excites you, gives you pleasure, gives you um, solace, whatever that is. So you really mm-hmm. kind of have that more time to focus on that during times like this. And I, I did find that I was pleasantly surprised in the middle of a lot of the chaos that we've gone through, not only as a health crisis, but for us in our country, yeah. um, that there are you know good, kind, decent people uh, and many of them and many more of them. Yeah. Uh, who, are, who unselfishly put themselves out there. And, and that uh, that keeps me going when I start kind of going down that slippery slope of little, you know, sadness. Yeah. And, and I think it's okay. You know, we're doing a lot around positive intelligence at the moment. It's okay to have your voices that are saying this is, this is rubbish and, you know, not coping. And it's, you know, mental health um, has mm-hmm. been massively raised by this. Yeah. So. It's uh, it's it's good in many ways, but it's also it's it's bringing up for a lot of people. What do they want to do? Yeah, where do they want to be? So I want to I want to come back to something you were saying, Deborah, before because I'm just about re- record the audible version of the book, um, and I was Ooh. thinking I would have to go into a you know a modern studio, you know, with soundproof walls, a bit like you see in the movies where they're recording music and go in and do all of this. And and I was told what I need to do is go into my closet and hide myself amongst my clothes with a, you know, a microphone, my laptop, and just go do that, which is not the most glamorous thing I've ever been asked to do in my life. It's it's, you know. hot and uncomfortable. And, oh. <laughs> but it's, but it's, it's quiet. The clothes are a great buffer for yeah. noise. They really are. I've gotten so used to I've been doing it now for years. I have mm-hmm. a, friend, uh, a high school friend who has a production company in upstate New York and uh, asked me to do some work for them. And because of their generosity with a wonderful microphone and a handheld Zoom recorder and having an apartment which has a nice big walk-in closet that I can sit in. And all your clothes, of course. I mean, with, you know, the- Lots of, and lots of clothes, of course. Um, I kind of find it to be cocoon-like. Yeah, yeah. Um, it really helps me just to focus it. You know, I close, close the do- room door and the closet door and-, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I, because of them and their generosity, I've been able to, you know, do work for many more people. Yes. So uh, it's, and uh, do auditions as well, because mm-hmm. voiceover work, we still have to audition yes. whether COVID's here or not, that work has to mm-hmm. be done. So Amazing. it's, I mean, I, once it is warm, you do have to sort of take yeah. breaks and let the fresh air and all of that. But I find it very soothing, actually. Yeah, I'm going to try it. So I'm going to try. And it, it, it's a, a sort of tenuous link I'm going to make here because it's lying in the witch in the wardrobe, you know, good, <laughs> stepping into the wardrobe and going yes. in that space. But actually, there's a piece in here that reminds me of being a child and, you know, hiding, playing hide and seek, hiding in the wardrobe, all those things. And it comes to me, a tenuous link that it's going into, which is playgrounds, because what we're about is creating playgrounds. And one of the huge successes of our business has been the two of you and the rest of our, our actors that we've been involved with in terms of the motion. And Doug, by the way, is just doing his false modesty here. Oh, start. Start, start, <laughs> go for it. Um, Mr. Hand up. <laughs> come on, a bit more, a bit more, a bit more. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> 
But, but it is true because there's a piece in here that when we talk about um, the playgrounds for the last 10 to 15 years, actors have been creating a playground for people to explore different conversations, different ways, different skills. For the, the listeners, why could you describe to me what, what the actors have done, the bits of forum theatre, and why it's so special, rather than me talking about it, why don't you? Yeah. I, I think the whole concept of forum theatre, which is allowing people the theatrical concept of dealing with their communication issues, their communication mm -hmm. skills, their interpersonal relationships, their, their trust relationships, who wouldn't necessarily have the opportunity to do that in their workplace. Mm -hmm. This gives them a safe uh, environment where we can explore issues they're having and try to speak their language with them through our language of theater and performance to support that. Yeah. Uh, truly, I think the most important thing is a safe place. They need to know that they can, you know, be with us and explore issues that they're having and have some kind of con con constructive uh, atmosphere to work through that and to guide them. If our job as actors is to help people go through whatever it is they need to go through at this time in a visceral way, mm -hmm. there's nothing purer than this. Mm. Like right in the moment, we make a better doctor, a better technician, a better leader, a better manager. Because you know, people, some people learn visually, some people learn audibly, auditorially, yeah. kinesthetically. Is that the word? Kinetically? Yeah, kinesthetically. Just put the right word in there. Um, but in terms of, so they get to get up there with us and try it out. So they've been hearing it from the incredible facilitators. They've heard the theory, they've seen the slides, and now they get to jump in there and try it with their body mm. and feel what it's like to have conflict come back at them and actually succeed in resolving a situation. Mm. You can bring that to the real life circumstance. And Deborah, you were sharing something with me earlier. When we were sitting there, um, we were getting ready for a gig and someone came up to us. Oh, I, I, I would say that the, the satisfaction we get, mm -hmm. sometimes we're in the middle of it. Uh, we have, we have good, good days and, and better days and some days where we think, oh, did we really come through for them in the way they need it? We feel this incredible responsibility to, to at least have some growth. Sometimes it's huge growth. You know, sometimes we have these huge aha moments. And other days we leave going, did we do our best for them? That's, we, we always analyze. Yeah. Doug and I always <laughs> do sort of a post. Restlessly dissatisfied, restlessly um, dissatisfied. Because no matter how, you, how much you work on a forum theater or how much you work on the characters that we're presenting them or how much you truly listen and try to help mm. them help themselves, you feel sometimes maybe you've fallen short. And then we walk into a session months, even years afterwards, and someone comes up to us and says, it's so great to see you guys. I just wanted you to know that a few months ago, I had almost exactly the same situation nice. with, with one of my work, with one of my um, direct reports. reports, direct yeah. reports. And I had such confidence and I made such, I had such success with them because mm -hmm. of my time spent with you. I felt like I could do it and I had the tools mm -hmm. and, and that's, that's the most rewarding thing we could ever get. That's nachis. <laughs> it's great. And for those who are listening and we're going, okay, so when, when they say get up here, 
have a go. <laughs> Maybe just um, tell them about how Forum Theatre is set up, because it sounds daunting. It sounds, you know, I was always said that I should go do some improv on the stage and do comedy and improv. And just, I'm like, no, that would be scary as hell. So for a lot of people, even listening to this, thought about going up with actors and, and interacting with them is scary. But tell, tell us how we set it up, how you set it up, and therefore how less scary it is once you're up there and how we operate. Sure. So um, Forum Theatre is one of the uh, several forms that we use in service to potential squared clients. In this one, it's it's kind of the most scripted, I guess. Yeah. In the sense, in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So Deborah and I will be up there. Uh, there will be one controllable character and one uncontrollable character. So the controllable character is usually the manager not doing a very good job. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the uncontrollable character is one to whom the manager needs to be in better service. <laughs> so uh, Deborah, being that she's only thirty-five. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to live with this forever now. We'll, we'll play the young intern. <laughs> I'll play the 18-year-old young intern. intern. And, uh, and I'm the manager trying to do well, and I'm just, you know, I'm talking at her rather than getting information from her, and then she leaves hurt and confused. And the participants watch the scenario. They watch it go terribly. And uh, then the facilitator would say, how'd that go? And they'll have... Um, and then they get to give some advice to me, the controllable character. Mm. Hopefully one, two or three pieces of advice. Yeah. I take their input, I try again, I do marginally better. Mm. And then we run it again and they're given a, uh, an invisible remote, we could say. Mm-hmm. And they remote can, control, yeah. Remote control. Nice. So they can stop us, rewind us, mind tap either of us, like, Deborah, what were you thinking when he said that? Deborah, what were you thinking when she gave you that face? Um, but then what we really want them to do is the fourth option is to jump in for the manager, the controllable character. Mm. Some call it hot seat. Others just try to call it the welcoming chair, which... <laughs> it never seems that welcoming, does it? <laughs> I, I just think have a go. is Have, the a, go. Go at it. have a go at it. It's the have a go chair. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's kind of where... The real learning. The real yeah. learning happens because... This is when they have the opportunity to try to put what they've watched and observations they've made into action, try to have the outcome be better for the uncontrollable character. The the job then of the actor who's in that seat is to respond truly to what they're saying. Mm. Never, as we say, don't reward them if they haven't given what you need to, because there isn't, there is an objective. Even if we have an objective of, of what we, of the, of the outcome that we're hoping will happen during the And there's this degree of subduing something here, because when we were recruiting for the business role player, one of the key things, I always remember that um, that rehearsal studio that we were, we were recruiting and we were having that. And I every time I walked out of the door, it was like something of a movie, because all you could hear is, I'm off to see the wizard. Um, <laughs> on the, right. down the, the road and the characters coming in out, right, and right. we were going back in. But there was almost, it couldn't have been better in terms of the stark reality between a musical theater being rehearsed down the, the corridor. And in our room, it was getting people back oh, from the acting side to play the real characters so that they could blend in as a really, truly, this would be a person I would uh, encounter in right. the organization. So as we would say in the UK, removing the lovey from the actor, removing the stage, the jazz hands in there and stripping it back to- Is that what you mean by the lovey? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, that's, I mean, it's the rich, the gill goods of this world would be, ah, oh, 
darling, I'm on right. stage. And we want them to feel like they're having a genuine interaction with someone. Exactly. We go to the extremes the first time, mm. just to give them an idea of the bad, which we struggle yeah. with sometimes because we want to. We, don't we want to do, do it right. <laughs> that is our biggest struggle. We will say to each other, now remember, especially Doug to me, you're, you're supposed to do it badly. When I'm the yeah. Yeah. So because where's the learning if we do it right and show them the right way to mm-hmm. do it? So that is the challenge, mm. to not be an actor, to truly listen to mm. what they're, the feedback they're giving you uh, and the language they're using mm. so that we can re- and mirror it back to them so they can see where their learning needs to happen or where they're starting to get it. Um, that's the really hard part. Like I said, the, the, I forgot how you referred to it, the, the pinch and the... The whatever. pinch and the ouch, yeah, which never really... I keep using it and people go, I don't understand, I don't understand. What do you mean by the pinch and the ouch? But it's it, but it is that bit that if, well, if you've got different styles coming up uh, to mm-hmm. that. I always remember there was a, a famous workshop where uh, the uh, non-controllable character was, was up there. The seat was free and I had an audience of 15 senior leaders who all probably went up one after another trying to, to solve the problem. Right. Each one was rejected and spat out by the con- non-controllable characters. So they were, yeah, that's fine, but it's not going to solve my problem. Mm-hmm. But by seeing 15 different varieties of it, people are able to learn and go, well, there's a different way of doing it. I could adopt a bit of that. So by the time that the last person comes up, they've got a flavor of different ingredients that they can go into there so that it is important that if somebody is giving you a, as an actor up there a pinch yeah that you give a proportionate ouch back to them so that they get mm-hmm. to feel what it looks like yeah right and, and that's both good and bad so if you're you know if you're playing someone who's there are different models we've worked with but if we're working with a buddy mm-hmm. if you know, we're going with that model and the person asks you about how's life at home that'd be a positive ouch because yeah. like, oh, they did that thing where they worked on the relationship and tried to talk with the person rather than solve a problem. Great. Now I get to give them this reward. Yeah. And those styles are important, Doug. You picked up a, a different mm-hmm. thing because it's got to feel real. So we're going to encounter the analyst, the detail conscious. We're going to encounter the dealer, as we would call them, which is the negotiator. Mm-hmm. We're going to encounter the general, which is How the, much I win. Right. Yep. Yeah. And it is important for us to, when we do those, to be very clear as to who they are. Yeah. to not muddy the water for them. So sometimes we do go to the extreme a little bit mm. to make clear who this, the personality that they're dealing with is. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's very important that we, even yeah. in the improv style, are, have clarity mm. uh, going into it. And we were discussing earlier, because we've both become geeks about this, thanks to you, <laughs> is, is um, the we've worked with some actors that take pleasure in, oh, I'm really going to give it to them this time. Yeah, and and what I've learned is that how much by when? Just give me a justly overview, bullet pointed for me. Yeah. I don't want a nicey nice. I don't want anything like that. But that doesn't mean that they're shouting. No, it doesn't mean that there's anger, yeah. because you can just not smile mm. and yeah. say, Cut, "Please just get to the point," and the person's going to feel the same way as if you're shouting at them. So. Why cause them emotional trauma and send them to the psychologist because you want to have your big lovey moment, as you said before, when just by not smiling at them, they'll get it viscerally. Mm. And that way you're in service to them rather than going for your Oscar. And you don't want to shut them down. I don't want to shut them down. I don't want to put up such a wall 
mm. immediately that there isn't room for negotiation <laughs> to make, you know, that contract yeah. that we talk about yes. uh, in conversation and, 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 and trust. I mean, mm. we're, we're trying to grow here. We're not trying to dig the trench deeper. And we've got three levels, haven't we? Because we, we talk about Easy Ozzy, or I call it about Easy Ozzy. I'm sure somebody's thought of a better name than that, where, you know, you're you're almost identifying to them early on that they haven't given you an agenda for the meeting. Yeah, so they're yeah. saying is there an agenda for the meeting. So it's easing somebody in who's a, maybe on a low awareness, low confidence, or scared, yeah, to, to be there and easing up. And then we talk about raising it up a, a level where you've got three curveballs that you're going to throw in. So there's a progressive story. And that's a real skill that I, I love that you folks do, is the ability to know when to throw the curveball in, to allow them to, to sweat a bit, but then to allow to know when to play that and not give up all three curveballs at the same time and keep a conversation. Because these can last up to 20 minutes, up to 45 minutes yeah. before. Three. And our facilitators are very helpful too. You know, mm. it's just a little whisper in the ear in between. Yeah. Mm. Or virtually a little something in the chat bar. Right. That's great. You're in the middle and you're like, oh, I'm going to try to read what they're saying to me. Oh, okay. Well, well maintaining eye contact with the camera. Maintaining eye contact with the camera. I'm not dropping character and really listening. Yeah, it is a lot of, you know, rubbing yeah. belly, pat head. We'll come to that in a second because the use of Zoom nowadays has been, I was one of the people who said, no way could we do what we do virtually. And I've been, we're getting you better scores. And, that, and that's why you're ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so looking back, so level two is about three curveballs. Now, level three, we talk about soft mouth Rottweiler because you don't let them go. But as you say, it's not aggressive. It's just the, whatever they say is not going to give you the answer. So it's a real workout to do that. But but it must feel, I always feel, because as an actor, if I was up there, I'd want to give them something. I'd want, no, I, you know. And it's just, saying, yeah. Oh, tough to do. I could just think of one word that would, like, key you into that. Yep. Page five on your brief. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's right here. They're saying words that rhyme with what they're supposed to be saying. What did you perhaps mean? <laughs> and I suppose that's the real power. So when I'm talking to clients about why we use actors, because mostly they say, well, we could do role play. We could get people in, participants in triads, three people do role play. But the piece for me is that it's easy when you're in the triad to give up. To, to give them something or to say that's great when it isn't. Whereas you're trained to actually stay in the moment and give people not a hard time, but a tough time, a real stretch in what you do. Talk well, to me. They're working with each other. I mean, that's you have to see these people at work. Yeah. So And even if you're, you know, you strategically make it people from different departments, word will get around. Mm. Mm. And and we're and we're going to leave at the end, right? right. I mean, we're leaving. We're they, they really. I mean, even if though sometimes we leave and we're exhausted and we're like, you know, I fail, I'm a failure. We leave the scene. We have to feel that we've left them with some some tools to go forward right. with. We can handle it. We can take the people mm. saying to us that would never have happened in my situation. They would never have used that language, and then someone else will say, "Oh, absolutely, that that I know and that." You were that person. Yeah. <laughs> You've done it. Yeah. That was my very first one that I ever did for Potential Squared. I was, <laughs> I was terrified. I'm like, okay, here we go, real person. And it turns out that the participant for this particular one had been fighting them on everything the whole time. I didn't know this because I hadn't been in the room. So. I go in there, they ask me to be um, 
more relationship oriented and very unfocused. It's sure. So I go in, I'm talking about things, I'm pointing things out the window and we're done. And the participant says, well, I've never encountered anyone who ever would have been like that. So inside I'm like, well, it was wonderful working with this company. <laughs> that was great. And then five people raised their hand and said, I have met that guy yeah. and worked mm -hmm. with him. And then Karen Eisenthal, the facilitator, mm -hmm. backed me up and said, actually, he did exactly what he was trained to do. Yeah. And that, like, that's a potential squared thing. Yeah. That is yeah. a, we've got your back. We're trying it. We're, you know, when we're, and mm -hmm. they hire people that support each other. Yeah. Karen was right there for me that first mm -hmm. day. She had met me that day. Yeah. She didn't. And I don't know if she'd known if I had been trained. Yeah. <laughs> Does she know your name yet, Doug? Yeah. Is she? Yeah. Is she? She there? I think she yeah. Okay. She's worth you a while now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the wonderful Karen, who would uh, want to mention all the facilitators are brilliant, but it is that space of psychological safety for the actors. Mm -hmm. It's maybe the first first gig, and I I love. You know, when we've got actors in that, that space that they're learning, they're trying to do stuff. And and what I also love about the two of you is that you keep introducing other people, even though that's your work, you know, to, to get that. But it's... Absolutely. The world's abundant. Yep. Yeah. The world's There's room abundant. for everyone. Yep. Absolutely. So I, I wanted to, to come back into how you get into character for that, because there's another bit in here that that's... <laughs> that is... Um, <laughs> That is built up over time. And, and you know, we, we do when we're training with the actors, there's a time where I say, you've got to get to level three. You've got to release it. You've got to release it. And there's a desire. Bit. But there's also about the knowledge of the role plays because that's massive. Other people would say, so how would these people know technology, internal audit, as you're going to do, and they're coming up very shortly. So how do you get into the role and how do you keep yourself trained up to do that? Yeah. I face it the same way I would an acting role. Mm. I mean, I do my research. Mm -hmm. I think the most important thing is to understand the culture, as we say, the culture of the business, no matter what it is. They're so different. Uh, and they're each all, one, each so one of them is so very different to learn their, even things like their infrastructure and how their, you know, the, what a direct report is to them, what, yeah. what their relationship is, how they, from the sea, you know, from the top down, how they treat people, what that kind of relationship is, what their expectations of their people is. The technology, absolutely, we've got to know the language. I mean, there's times we do a timeout going, you're going too deep in the weeds of that. I have no clue what you just said. But when we're dealing with internal audits, we mm -hmm. have to understand. We've mm -hmm. learned hundreds of acronyms terminologies and acronyms for a certain client because that's the only way we can serve them. So we do have to do our homework. Mm. I mean, there's a limit sometimes to how deeply we go in because the exercise is specific. Mm. But I think we, we're not of service to them if we don't mm. learn their language. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's, you know, and, and how they dress and how they comport themselves. That's important too, yeah. This is how casual, they socialize or don't, right, or don't socialize or whatever yeah. that is. Yeah. Uh, some of that you learn. I mean, with, with one of our clients, with Akamai, we've been with them for so long, we kind of, understand that culture now yeah. um but there are always changes in that too no i agree so, and also that's a key bit isn't it the strategy changes the culture changes the size of the organization changes yep. or or even just you know when we're getting into this now the the use of zoom versus face to face but actually what the brilliant thing is and doug you were hinting at it we went we flipped to do virtual but one of the key things that held me in space through that was to say 
our clients are going to be going through the virtual. So if we can role model how to do virtual mm-hmm. by training them in the virtual to give them. So we had to, to raise our game. But the acting piece was the bit that I always thought, I wonder how this is, how is this going to work? So talk to me about some of the changes you noticed, apart from the fact that Karen sent you a chat function <laughs> and a message going about, you know, Tweak, tweak, and you're trying to read it and they go, but what changed in terms of your skills and your art? Now it's, now it's really timing because we've gone from an eight hour day to one and a half to two hours. Mm. So when business role play happens, it's really quick. Mm. You get one, maybe two people mm-hmm. in a very short amount of time. Mm. So the learning needs to happen a lot sooner. What I'm starting to learn uh, as I go on with this is what behavior am I listening for by saying a certain something? Like if I know that there's a point that Karen, Rachel, or whoever the facilitator is that they're trying to hold up, mm-hmm. what can I say that can present an opportunity right. for that participant to rise to the occasion or make another choice that they need to be called on? But it's, it's a lot faster. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more compact. Mm-hmm. And because there's not as much freedom to be like, you know what, guys, we're going to do that in the afternoon. So sit tight mm-hmm. or whatever. You can't do that. You've got to do it in that time. I so would say not- the biggest differences for me is, the, is that, that we said visceral, but that energy of being in a room, a live room with people, you know, I mean, truly in the yeah. same room yeah. and, and being on screen together and keeping people focused and keeping yeah. their attention mm-hmm. while that's happening because if you're in a room, you tend to kind of, you can't really, I mean, people might try to look at the phone or whatever, but when you're in a room with a facilitator standing there and there's action up at the front of the room, mm. they kind of tend to focus more. It's very easy to, oh, I've got a call, I've got to go off camera, you know, we lose them, yeah. that kind of thing. So trying to keep them engaged, we've increased, instead of more um, form theater situations, what we call real play, mm-hmm. which is to have them yeah. bespoke to have them be prepared before the session starts because we don't have that time to you take to people back a bit on that because I, I love the bespoke and I love the real time. That's our favorite to do, frankly. Yeah. Because we, become- we, we, we obsessively prepare. Like we're just, <laughs> we all, like we know the material. We've played this case for five years and we're always right up until we go into looking right. at the paper. How and we make it alive and fresh and, you know. And, right. Yeah. Mm. right. You can't do that because with a bespoke, they're told an actual, they, they present, well, actually, we kind of lead this now. Mm-hmm. The more and more we lead yeah, it. It's like, who's the person? Do you talk with them via Skype, phone, or in person? Personality what, traits. Yeah, where would you mm-hmm. put them on on whatever model we're using, personality-wise? Yep. And um, what are two obstacles you're going to throw at you? Okay. Yeah. And what does good look like? Right. What's your objective? What's good look like? Right. Okay. So, so say Selena is in the audience. She's going to come to you and she's going to say, I'm really struggling with this particular client. Yeah. And this client is a general, you know, really tough character. And they're going to throw this at me. They're going to hear, have this bit of history. And that's done pretty much like that to you. Exactly. And then you need to improv around that to give her the best experience. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. But the thing is, okay, immediately you say general to me. Yeah. If I'm a general, my relationship to you, and I know no one can see, I'm going to lean in and I'm going to be very to direct. Camera, and my yeah. physical into the camera. For those watching, it's scary. You know, it's right. the, the, you're in <laughs> but if, there. But if I'm kind of the buddy, I might sit back. I might yeah. you know, kind of look off. I might my, my way of interacting on camera is going to be different. So I can affect that physical energy. 
Uh, as if we were in the room together. Those uh, are those are some of the things you work on. Because during yeah. the pandemic, now actors are movie producers and lighting designers and <laughs> costume. And, that, and that's a great point. What we've tried to do is help them when they're doing the real play. Say, it's not only what you're saying, it's how you're presenting yourself. Yeah. You're off camera, the lighting issues, uh, the position mm. of the camera, how much head room is over you. All yeah. those things affect how you become an effective communicator virtually. So we've added those elements now. Yeah, that's brilliant. Because yeah. I, I love it. I mean, I'm standing up to do the podcast, but standing up suddenly became my way of demonstrating confidence, conviction, connection, which are all three things. But, well, you've also got the right amount of space above your head. You've got, you know, like, okay. Well, you <laughs> yeah. know, some people are have their screen here, which is on because yeah. they can type it, but they're actually doing the, ver they're actually what, using their phone. So yeah. what you see is I'm talking to you and you have to tell the audience that I'm not even looking at you. Yeah. They're, they're communicating. Well, I'm over here. I'm <laughs> here. You've yeah. now totally dissipated any kind of effective communication. Right. Because you're not looking at me. No. And it's interesting because we're even now starting to teach people about that it's okay to look away because the, the visual stimulus and the amount of stuff that people need to hang on to and looking at a Zoom screen is tough. So I've started to say, if I'm coaching somebody, I'm going to look away from the screen. I'm going to sit right. as a coach and have my eyes angled away so that they can do the same. So all they need to do is think about the issue and not worry what they're, how they're looking oh. on the screen. So it's, it's interesting because it is that, that visual and vocal, I'm here, you know, but also when you're coaching sometimes or even mentoring or even just listening, that ability to take the eye contact off and move is important. So I think we're learning a whole new set of skills now. Uh, well, that calls that contracting, which I think is true. We contract up front. Some yeah. people just don't want to be on camera that day. They just, you know, and if it's okay, and sometimes that's okay. If, they, yeah. if you are just doing, uh, you know, uh, like you said, you're just doing the listening mode. It's okay to just have, sometimes people feel freer to know that they're not being, every movement isn't being watched, that they can just yeah. communicate as if they were on the phone. Yep. Yeah. You know, and those are a different skill set as well. So, because it's the, the fear for, I mean, we talk about face to face and the virtual, but the face to face was you're in a, a class of 20 people in a big room, and suddenly you're being asked to go up and be on stage in front of your, your peers. There is a degree that Zoom allows you to just because we switch everybody else's cameras off, so you've only got the actor plus yeah. the individual up there. So, yeah. it's almost as if, if they and even they can switch off their self view on Zoom to allow it. It does allow people to concentrate on how they're thinking, how they're feeling. And we are getting the feedback that for introverted thinkers, it's better sometimes than face-to-face. Yeah. -face. That's good. But I miss the person. Yeah, it, I know. It is effective. We're doing it. We're rising to the occasion. But just to get on a train and go to a location <laughs> and walk into their building and say, we're here, we're of service to you, as opposed to like, oh, well, we caught him for an hour in between scooping the cat litter and doing his laundry. Right. Yeah, I know. It's not <laughs> the same, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There is like the human contact, right. as we know, as we know even more so after this year. Uh, I'm starting, I mean, we're both vaccinated. It was like we've hugged for the first time. Yes. You know, Feels good. Or whatever. I was like, it's okay. We can do it. <laughs> Yeah. We miss the hugs, though. I mean, it, it oh, is, you know. We are tactile beings. Yeah. I mean, we need touch. It's important to us. Uh, yeah, I agree. So, but, but also I feel that we've learned that we can still be effective mm -hmm. in what we do virtually. Yeah. 
if this is if this is the means by which we can continue yep. to do the good work and and to teach and to help other people learn mm. you know good communicating skills and be better leaders better co-workers better team members that then that's what we're here for and to be of service to a couple different companies in the same day yeah <laughs> well i think that's it i mean john and i could have been in separate places but we chose to be together <laughs> <laughs> Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think there is something in that because the acting world and profession means that if you're taking a whole day out to go somewhere like Boston from New yeah. York and then you it's a whole day and therefore you might be on, well, on set for two three three times whereas now in the virtual world you can do shorter smaller gigs you know and in mm -hmm. theory it's providing more flexibility as well is that the case? Yes, um, there, and there's also a pay differential as well. Yeah, okay. So that's, yeah. Uh, that, that sort of makes you land on the full day. Yeah, no, you want <laughs> full it. Full day model being yeah. preferred. But then but you love the Kendall Hotel and you love the train. Oh, and the uh, Kendall Hotel. Yes. <laughs> and our Dalmatian PJs. Our Dalmatian PJs. <laughs> yeah. For those listening, there is a, an amazing picture of Doug and Deborah who are sat in bed in... PJs that were provided by the Kendall Hotel. I wonder if we'll get a plug, maybe sponsorship on the back end of the podcast for the yeah. Kendall Hotel in Cambridge. Yeah. <laughs> well, the cash 22 is we have to be able to go back there in order to <laughs> in order to give them the money they need <laughs> to sponsor the broadcast. <laughs> Truthfully, I'm grateful that we are continuing to to, to yeah. work. That Absolutely. We have this opportunity. I don't know what we would have done had no. this not presented itself. So I guess we're in a whole new era of finding ways to to continue to do the good work mm. that essential does and and mm. reach out to as many people as possible so Absolutely. that's so we're grateful for it yep. uh, but we do miss there are things we do miss about the yeah. old days the old days, <laughs> old days where we used to be able to hug and yeah and i'm missing those as well hopefully soon hopefully soon well and it I'm, also was great for us because that was a way for us to we did our work on the train too Absolutely. you know we would have time to prepare in a in a relaxed environment for us and mm. and uh and you know doug and i challenge each other we're good about that we really mm. are each other's best supporter but mm. we also challenge each other which is important how do we grow if someone keeps just saying that's you perfect. were wonderful you were wonderful wonderful yeah and that's, that's our own that's our own trust equation here we've got each other's back and that's a great gift and Mm. I think we've always felt that way. That's why. It, well, it what also helps us is everything that we learn from the facilitators and from you about like, oh, so now we're presenting it to each other with correct EEC feedback. Yeah. <laughs> so it can't be taken for exchange. Yeah. <laughs> like I like I wonder. <laughs> it's great to do. So I'm going to be aware there's a few people listening at the beginning of the podcast who picked up, well, she was on a TV show. What was the TV show? Yeah. So that's one. And also, I mentioned earlier on, Doug, the your eclectic mix of pastimes and hobbies, including one on a Sunday morning. Yeah. So I wanted to just towards the end now get back into to you as individuals in the background. But go on, Deborah. What is the show? Why everybody's you know, leaning it. I am I am a self-confessed geek when I work with all our actors. I'm going like, so what will I have seen you? What and the first thing that the participants saying is, what will they have seen you in? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they always ask us that. Do you want to just introduce yourself or do you want to give your credits? And we're sort of like, I just I don't really want to do that up front. If afterwards they wonder, I'll tell them, but because that's always a preconceived. I started 
as you know, my first show was when I was 13, The Sound of Music in Schenectady, New York. It was wow. huge for me. Okay, that was, I, I literally negotiated. I contracted my parents to allow me to audition for it. So that's where it started. That led to going to college at Northwestern University in Chicago. And I started my career there and I was planning to go to New York. And someone, a few friends who had gone out to LA already said, come to LA, you'll work, you'll work. I went, okay. So I have no fear, no worries about judgment, anything. Mm -hmm. I drove across country and with no agent, no anything. And a month later landed uh, a part on the series Dallas, wow. which had already been in production. I ended up doing 11 seasons, about 10 and a half years of the show. Mm -hmm. uh, with much other television and still theater in my blood. Uh, and I was, I'm a singer, you know, recording concerts, yeah. everything else. And then when the series ended, I found my way back in New York. I just I decided at an age, which was a little scarier, mm -hmm. uh, although my family was all on the Eastern coast of the United States uh, to move back East and start again in New York. Mm -hmm. So it's always about the issue of believing that you've done the work that you're prepared and whatever happens is always a gift. No yeah. matter, just as in our work, you can prepare and prepare and prepare, but once you get in it, you have no idea and you go with what happens. You know, it's, it's been a, a wonderful, wonderful experience for me. Everything. Yeah. I never thought I'd go to the West coast and, mm. and the television series that was never in my vision. Yeah. Uh, but I've always sort of just gone with, my gut mm. and done the hard work. Mm. And that's, I guess, done me in pretty good stead. There's still things I hope to accomplish. Mm. But I'm only 35. As I'm only 35. Said. There's a lot of work. I've got lots of living to do. Speaking <laughs> of my CD, no. <laughs> um, but, you know, as with Doug, you know, mm. I, I recorded for Braille for four years in Los Angeles, wow. uh, mm. which was a wonderful experience. Pre the plethora of audiobooks now. I mean, mm -hmm. it was old fashioned tape and editing and everything. Incredibly mm -hmm. rewarding, teaching, yeah. mentoring, um, mm -hmm. and giving back for all the mentors who helped me along the way. You know, all the amazing actors that I had met and looked up to uh, and got to meet and learn from. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. once, you've, once you've got that, that great volume of work that you can now pass it on to the next generation and that work yeah. ethic. And I do think that's an important thing. I think a work ethic is, is vital and how you show up every day to do your mm. best. I think that's, that's what I try to do. Mm. Can I talk about one of the things that I just thought was, was crazy in my life and sort of got out of my safety zone. Yeah. I flew on a trapeze on circus of the stars. Wow. I don't think you knew that. <laughs> I, yeah, I did not know that. Oh, it's Googleable, though. <laughs> is it? Yeah, it's a show called it. Circus of the Stars. There was an yeah. annual thing, and we trained. We truly trained. We auditioned and trained almost for about almost well, three and a half to four months, five, six days a week, several hours a day. Mm -hmm. I flew on a trapeze, and we did an entire uh, trapeze act that you know was performed. So yes. The 13th annual Circus of the Stars, you can. <laughs> I'll have a Google and see what it, yeah. Absolutely faced fear every single day. Wow, yeah. I, psychological and physical challenge, athletic mm. challenge. Uh, I was an athlete, but nothing prepared me for this. Wow. To climb the ladder every day. Yeah. And uh, with, you know, special gloves and chalk wow. and swing on that trapeze and absolutely challenged myself 
and face that fear every day was unlike anything I'd ever done. And yet truly one of the most satisfying ultimately things that I did because I knew I was going to make mistakes. I knew I was going to have to relearn things and learn new things and it might work and it might not, but there was no going back. I had committed myself to it. And I feel that that has done me in good stead moving Mm -hmm. forward because it didn't, it was the doing of it that was important, not the success of it that was important. Yeah. Consciously stepping out. So I mean, we talk about sailing the ship out of the harbor. That's oh, definitely that's out, of my, out of my comfort zone, my safety zone. Wow. And I still get sweaty palms when I think about what I did, oh, you know, yeah. but that would be a huge one for me. Yeah. And so nothing much else can scare me beyond that. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, I did a bungee jump in New Zealand, 125 meters off a bridge, <laughs> rubber attached. And But the the high I had for three days after that was incredible. But it's it's that I've got a fear of heights. So why would you jump off a really good bridge to go do that? But there is something about stretching ourselves and going and learning. Well, and even though we had obviously had a net, you know, that most most – of the aerial acts to have nets just for safety factor. The week before we were going to film, I had, I, my, I, I did a, we had double catchers. Yeah. You know, a trapeze is always one, mm. but we had one that was up above. Wow. So you swung through the bottom one up to the top one back down. And I, I was doing a, a specific um, movement or trick as we call them. The catcher missed my legs and I went face first into the net, which is excruciatingly painful. And they and the producer said they they happened to be there that day. It was Saturday when they would come and see what we'd done all week. Had never missed in all the months they'd been training. That was the day, and they said Mm. we're not going to let her do it. Mm. And that's when I said you're not not going to let me do it. Oh, I have trained all this time, so it was really and really fighting for that, which was not always in my nature to to fight for things. And I did. I said this is going to happen. We're going to make it happen. So. Well, formidable lady in your own right, but I can imagine you going, no, <laughs> I'm doing this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. For me to say no. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely not. And, Doug, tell us a bit about it, because the, the bit I love, and I can say I'm, I'm a person by this, so you're a, a Jewish man, gay man, living in, in Manhattan, and then on Sunday morning you head off and do this. Uh, I, I sing for the Madison Avenue Baptist Church, and I have been for about 50, uh, over 15 years now. Fantastic, isn't it? <laughs> and, and I actually do get my spiritual food from them. Uh, the pastor, she is a former trial lawyer, is a professional comedian, and rides a Harley. Ah. <laughs> so run us through that again. Yeah. Three things she is, yeah? She, she's a professional comedian, uh, former trial lawyer, and rides a Harley. Wow. Susan Sparks, brilliant comedian. And I've read her books for Doug and Chico Presents. Um, The, and, but also in what you talked about of the six of us who sing Mm. four of the other five are people that I recommended and are still working there. Yeah, I know. uh, If I know of a job opportunity, yeah. I will stop giving someone CPR to like, wait a minute, I just have to look to my contract to see if someone, <laughs> I think I know someone, <laughs> I want my friends to get work. They're my, they're my family. They're my mishpacha. So I want to make sure <laughs> I just, it's like breathing for me. Yeah. And it, and it, it it's part of you because you, every time you sign off a letter or notes, you have an expression, which is the other thing. It's a, have a well-lived day. 
Yeah. Where does that, that come is, from? I actually got that directly from Susan Sparks, it? Yeah. the pastor of the church. She did a she did a sermon about, you know, how people feel when you say, have a nice day. Like, you know, telling them no matter what they're going through and you're informing them that they have to feel a certain way about it. But have a well-lived day is, you know, mm. what? even if you're at the bottom of whatever pit you're in and you're feeling awful mm. and everything looks hopeless, you can still live well that day. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm on board with that. The church, like uh, like Potential Squared, has pivoted. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and just do what they could, and they we got it online. And so now all the singers record their solos from home on the camera and learn all the stuff. And you know, and I had to lean in and learn it. Then we get it done by the Wednesday before the service. Travis, the amazing editor, stitches it all together, and on Sunday at eleven o'clock, there's a service for everyone. Mm-hmm. And now we're like, uh, now we're doing group numbers where we sing our part and they stitch all the parts together and then they've got a group number or duet, which kind of leans into, you know, my uncomfortable Mm. face. There was a point Deborah was making earlier about like being absolutely prepared for when Freak Luck hits. Yeah. That's how you get your agents is how you get any job is how anything. So I had to do the stuff for the church. It had to be done. Mm -hmm. So I had to figure out a way to do it. And you know, <laughs> the year I turned 50, you'll know when you reach my age depth. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, the and, cicadas will be back out again. Okay. <laughs> the cicadas. The cicadas. <laughs> so, um, you know, had to learn all this new technology and not just the ring light, but how to get the right microphone to record into it and put it into iMovie and into Audacity and then delete that track and add that one. And that was my button. If I don't know something and someone else is going to be inconvenienced because of my deficiency, that is what really takes me to the bad place. And there were three to five times during the pandemic where I was like, I couldn't make the technology work. And I was on my knees sobbing. Mm. Just I, and because in my head, I am a horrible, horrible person because I couldn't shift, right. Because I couldn't shift and learn how to work all this new technology in one moment um, and sometimes I'd be doing it with Chico, the parrot on my shoulder, who'd be leaning in and while I'm on my knees sobbing and he'd be going, Chico, Chico, <laughs> Chico, which you could say it's the only word he knows who is comforting me or look at him. He still thinks it's about him right. when I'm going through a crisis. <laughs> but, but as far as stretching myself, I eventually learned how to do it. I reached out to the right people and not only am I recording my stuff from home, it's been getting better. Mm-hmm. The voiceover career has gone well, you know, and so the things that were left from all the things that I do were voiceover, recording from, uh, you know, recording from home. I recorded a whole musical from home while I had COVID, wow. <laughs> singing, in, like, singing into the thing, laying down, getting up, singing the thing again, because the show's got to go on. You don't have to do this. This is not an example of what you should do. Take care of yourself. <laughs> I chose to do this. Um, like an idiot, but it was union. <laughs> um, I got an agent. I, you know, I did, redid my LinkedIn to reflect my business role play more. Made a video about it. Mm-hmm. Got more work as a result, and so showed what was in me that I didn't know was there. Yeah. And you don't have to do that. You can, you know, if you just laid there and watched TV and held yourself in an Afghan. Mm-hmm. That's what you needed to do. Mm-hmm. I needed to prove that I could move forward with my career. And I did it from my basement and I'm still doing it. <laughs> yeah, I know. And hopefully not for, well, maybe it'll be a bit of basement, but hopefully a bit of face-to-face and maybe some barnstormers. Yeah. If I go there. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm back. 
I'm back this year. It's a uh, we have a new interim artistic oh, barnstormers. Uh, for those of you that don't know, it's uh, the Barnstormers Theater in Tamworth, New Hampshire, and this will be my twentieth season with them. I'm so glad you're doing it. I know. Sure. I know. Um, and uh, so the new interim artistic director also like started as a sophomore, someone that I've mentored and taught right. him business technique. He had it on his own, but he has now gotten to the point where he's produced musicals and on Broadway and Tony Award winning producer. And now he's the artistic director and he's made a point of, okay, we have a smaller season and I'm going to try and get as many of the barnstormers up there as I can. So no one's getting more than one show. So I'll be up there for two weeks. It's me and one other actor playing all the roles in a show called Popcorn Falls. Fantastic. When does that happen, Doug? What's the date? Uh, that's actually at the end of August. Wow. Okay. So I'll be home for my birthday, for my anniversary, for my husband's birthday. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Over all those things. I go up August 23rd and I'm done September 4th. Two weeks in out. Oh. Yeah. Learn well, it in a week and then perform for a week. Move, soldier, move. I love yeah, it. Remember that? After what you've been through? <laughs> One week stuck. Okay. Oh, yeah. No, I'm excited. I'm doing my first live performance. With, I, I did a production of There's a Musical Bridges of Madison County <gasps> that I did two years ago. And we're having a reunion uh, outdoor concert version. Oh my God, uh, that's amazing. Uh, June 25th, 26th. So um, it's actually at a beautiful outdoor park that has an outdoor theater in Basking Ridge, New Jersey. Nice. Um, it's called Pleasant Valley Park. That's where it mm -hmm. is. So uh, yeah, and, and it, almost everybody's gonna be back together. Mm. One cast member and unfortunately we just lost our musical director. Uh, who was with us, but everybody Right now I'm going through my head, together. like what music directors do I know? It's an amazing uh, you know, thing just to know that, first of all, we loved each other and we have been on Zoom calls together and having little mm -hmm. mini reunions, but, uh, and very supportive of each other through all of this. Uh, but it's, it's gonna be wonderful, even though it's gonna be strange because we have to be mm. spaced out and there's much protocol and we have to be tested and all the rest, but just the idea of, performing live again yes. is, is so wonderful um so, so good to hear yeah. I, I i just wanted to end with you know I, I i do this podcast to hear about stories but i i did this one for my soul just to get you two on and oh. have this in here and oh, it's just been an absolute joy to have you on and hopefully in between uh, promoting shows, barnstormers, and uh, New Jersey show, and everything else. But in between, there's there's some learning about how you've made and how the, all the actors around the, the world have made a massive difference to to people, to potential squared, and other organisations now. So that have taken this on. So Doug and Deborah, uh, you will always go together as Doug and Deborah. It will be. We'll have to get. We'll have to get a blended version of your name. Like. <laughs> Can you say one more thing that's sort of like a little bit of a lesson? Yeah. yeah. Well, right. So the reason, like how Deborah got into Potential Squared is the first gig I ever did in New York was a new musical. Deborah was in it. Mm -hmm. That's where we got to know each other. We did another one afterwards called Jungle Queen Debutante, which tells you everything you need to know. But then if years later, we both end up on the same train to Princeton. Mm. I was coming down, I think, for reunions because my husband's a Princeton grad, and it's also where I got married. And uh, Deborah was visiting. I her. was by new beau mm. now seven years together, but Joe for yeah. the reunion. You excuse yep. me, reunion weekend, and we Easy started you to say. and yep. said, "What are <laughs> you doing here? What are you doing here?" And you know, and, and we talked about what we were doing, and I mentioned the business role play that I was starting with Potential Squared, yeah. and Deborah opened her mouth and said, "That's something I'd be very interested in doing." 
Wow, I did not know that story. And so I'm like, oh, so then I recommended her and she's been working with you ever since. But it's the importance of saying, you know, I would like to do that. That's an opportunity I would like. And And the other thing you we talked about yeah. was what don't you want to do anymore? You know, you yeah. get on that that treadmill of just working to work, to work, to prove yourself, to just be out there. And sometimes after you've been working a long time, you just really want to focus on certain things. And it's more important oftentimes to ask yourself, what don't you want to do? Yeah. And focus on the things you truly want to do without anybody else influencing you. What do you really want to do? Working with Potential Squared has helped with all of that insight so much because, you know, we're learning from you and from all the amazing facilitators every day Mm -hmm. about like Mm -hmm. how to have that fierce conversation with yourself and, you know, and just discovering that there's another sort of acting that I love just as much, if not more than the TV, the stage and everything. Like who knew this was a thing. Right. And it isn't just, you know, this, this love that is in my life now. Thanks. Thanks for hiring me. (laughs) (laughs) And the fact that we both do love to be, to be cheerleaders and coaches and mentors and watch yeah. other people succeed. Uh, there's no greater joy than, than feeling like you've given someone the tools to succeed. And, it, and you've combined all of it into one for us. The only thing we don't do is sing for you yet. <laughs> yes. So would you like to just sing us out with any song of your choice? Just And well, the, well we might cut this, but I'm only joking. <laughs> you know you were going, we're rightfully through our index. <laughs> One little song, and people can either switch off now and go, no way, or they can listen. <laughs> you had to do one song to sing as a, what would it be? How would you describe Potential Squared, squared in a song and your work on the actors? Put you on the spot. I know, we really are on the spot now. You do something to me. Something <laughs> that simply mystifies me. And you're just too marvelous for words. A mashup. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, for all those listening or who turned off about two minutes ago, thank you, Doug and Deborah. That was brilliant. Appreciate you taking the time today. Love you so much, Colin. Thank you, Colin. Love you. Take care. Love, love you too. Have a well-loved day. <laughs>well folks we could have recorded for two three hours just talking about the stories and there's some great opportunities when you listen to to both of them doug and deborah to dig further into some of their preparation some of the work that they do to get themselves in character and and as we go into this intentional purposeful practice and the systems there's a lot that actors in the world of acting can teach us and it's not about the ability to adopt a persona you're not but it's this what we talk about in confidence conviction connection that confidence the physicality the vocality the mood set the mindset that you can hold um, and also just the connection so their ability and improv yeah improvisational work as actors to react to the or dance to the music that's coming to them in any situation just shows the power that they have and we can learn a lot from them so delighted that we got the chance to listen to Doug and Deborah they are amazing